MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. We've got you locked and loaded for the next three hours as we are not going to try to reinvent the wheel here tonight. We've got 137 college basketball games coming up for Saturday, so we're going to hit on as many of those as humanly possible, give you guys insight, give you guys picks and analysis. If you miss anything on this show or if you miss just anything in general with regards to the college basketball slate guy, you covered one of two ways. VEASAN best bets. You're able to find that at VEASAN.com slash podcast. Every hour of this show is going to be up there. And then you're able to take a look at Coast to Coast Hoops where I'm going to break down all 137 games. So one of two ways to be able to get all my insights with regards to college basketball. But we're going to try to go into a little bit more depth here on this show when it comes to all these games because there's a lot of big ones, but there's a lot of unearthed gems as well. We're going to try to be able to give you guys those as well. Taylor Mathis, she does a great job over there with the Superbook. She's going to be joining me at 2.30, p.m. Pacific time if you're out there on the East Coast, 1.30 a.m., but we're just going to be keeping it college basketball, and then we're going to be hitting on a lot of NFL as well because we've got two games that are coming up for Saturday, two games that are going to be coming up for Sunday. I'll be giving you guys my picks and analysis for the games, mainly for Saturday. We're going to dive into a little bit more of Sunday's games. Not going to give you anything official for Sunday, but I'll give you guys my side in total for both games for Saturday, and then I'll be giving you guys the Sunday side in total tomorrow on the show as well. So have no fear there. Greg Peterson experience always Friday slash Saturday if you're out here on the West Coast. On the East Coast, 1 to 4 a.m. Saturday and Sunday. So we've got you covered with regards to all that. And we actually have a little bit of live action tonight as well. You typically don't get this at this late of an hour. But if you're looking for a midnight sweat when it comes to college basketball, if you're looking to dive in life, you're going to need to do it relatively fast. But we do have a game that's going down, going into the final media timeout. You've got Nevada who's right now a live in that point favorite. They are currently leading Nevada by a count of 67 to 59, about 345 left in this game. So we want to be checking that out. And this was a good start for Fresno State. They wound up getting up by a count of 19 to 10. They were looking relatively solid, but something I've been noticing in college basketball, I wound up retweeting a little bit of a chart as to some of the most slash least volatile teams in college basketball. But we've been seeing a lot of teams putting on a lot of runs throughout the college basketball season. And, well, you've had a very nice run here from Nevada, who wound up beginning the half uh, down a little bit. But 
have really been able to rally back. They've been able to put together a nice display. And something else that we're noticing in college basketball as well, a lot of injury information breaking the day of that has impacted a lot of these games as well as we got to go to what was really the biggest upset of the day. You did wind up seeing Wisconsin go down, but that was a rank versus rank battle. So you sort of knew that, well, there was going to be one ranked team that was going to be going down, but unranked Maryland at home, a team that, we're going to call it what it is. It has not been a great year for them. They were able to take down Illinois by kind of 81 to 65. This is a game which Kofi Coburn did not wind up playing in due to a concussion. This is a game that overnight you were able to catch Maryland between seven to seven half fish points, depending on where you shopped. I saw an eight at the South Point as well, but that was really the only place they wound up seeing that. This wound up closing more around four and a half. And for Maryland, they were able to put it on Illinois in this game as Maryland winds up winning the rebound battle by kind of 33 to 30. Needless to say, I don't think that that would have been happening if you would have wound up seeing Kofi Coburn being in the game. And also what I think was very big, Andre Corbello is now back in the fold for Illinois, but wound up playing 14 minutes in this game, went one of six from the floor, and he wound up having three turnovers with four points. This is always why I wind up saying in college basketball, you cannot overreact to one game. Andre Corbello looked amazing in that game against Purdue. I think part of it was because Purdue had absolutely no idea whatsoever that Andre Corbello was going to be playing in that game, but he wound up having 20 points in that game, came in off the bench, and he really was a lifeblood for that Illinois team. But with that said as well, the biggest stat in that game was the zero turnovers. If you remember back to that game that Illinois wound up playing against Marquette, once again, another game in which Kofi Gardner was out of, Andre Cabello single-handedly costed Illinois the game in that one. Illinois in this game, they wound up going 11 of 35 from three-point range. And something else that we notice in college basketball as well, it is a, another theme that we wound up seeing in this game as well, home underdogs. You always want to be taking a little bit more of a look at home underdogs when it comes to conference play, just because typically in conference, you do wind up seeing things wind up getting a little bit slower in general. You wind up seeing these games, they get a little bit tighter down the stretch. There's a little bit more familiarity. And to my point with this, if you're taking a look at the last 30 days in college basketball, we've been seeing home underdogs hitting at right around a rate of about 52 and a half percent, 166, 150 and four against the spread. Heck, underdogs in general have actually been having themselves a day. If you're looking at underdogs throughout the season, they're hitting at about a 50.6% clip overall in college basketball. You're seeing it right up at the screen at vsin.com 1087, 1056, and 55 against the spread. Obviously, this Fresno State versus Nevada game is not included in that, but if you're looking at just the last 30 days, underdogs, 494, 420, and 14. That is a 54% hit rate, and really, that's how long we've been having, more or less, I can call it, True conference play because you wind up getting those stray games, which the Big Ten winds up playing like one or two of them, the ACC, what have you. But now that we're truly in conference play, we are really seeing those unders or we're starting to see those home underdogs hit like wildfire. And I've also been talking quite a bit about unders as well. Unders in the last seven days in college basketball. How about a 53.8% hit rate? 184 unders, 158 overs. Once again, goes to conference play. Typically, you wind up seeing things slow down a little bit more. And you just take a look at what we wind up seeing in Friday in general. This Nevada versus Fresno State game, most likely going to be going over the total. Right now, you've got it now at 72 to 63. You've got 243 remaining with a closing total right around 137, 138, depending on where you were shopping. It would be a 
pretty cataclysmically bad beat if it doesn't wind up getting there because that means that you wind up getting no points with likely late game falling if this winds up remaining nine. So that would be absolutely terrible. And this was a day in which we did wind up seeing more overs. Right now, as we're seeing it, we've seen 11 overs thus far in this college basketball slate. But overall, last seven days, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it has been very good to the under. It has been something that I've been taking a look at a little bit more. And something that we've got to be taking a look at a lot as well is just the fact that we don't necessarily have that true number one team. And I feel like in just taking a look at college basketball right now, when it comes to teams that are, shall we say, outside the top 10, because I do feel like the top 10, it's pretty well knit together. I mean, you take a look at it when it comes to my power rankings coming into the day, Gonzaga, Auburn, Purdue, Baylor, Duke, Kansas, Arizona. I even threw in there UCLA and Kentucky. All of these teams were within 1.8 points of each other on a neutral court. This means that depending on who's in, depending on the scheduling spot, depending on where that neutral court game might be playing, that could sway who winds up being the favorite, who winds up being the underdog. And I personally am a handicapper that I do take a look at the actual matchup itself. As they always say in boxing, as they always say in boxing, matchups make fights and I do think that that is the same way in college basketball as well so I always want to be taking a look at that so I do think that it is very well knit together but when it comes to college basketball as well never count out Michigan State you did wind up seeing it on Friday Michigan State they were able to get the W over Wisconsin the Kohl Center one of the toughest places to play in college basketball in my opinion and they just laid it on Wisconsin 86 to 74 Going to the night, I had Johnny Davis, number one with regards to my player of the year race. And, I mean, Johnny Davis, he just continues to do his thing. He wound up going out there. He had 25 points, did wind up turning the ball over three times, but he did a relatively solid job. But this is always something that you want to be taking a look at in college basketball. Do you wind up betting on the better player, which... I do think that Johnny Davis, by far the best player out there on the floor in this game, or do you bet on the well, more well-rounded team? I wound up giving this out on the look at yesterday, and I said, you want to be banking on the more well-rounded team in this one, and it really showed through. Michigan State, they were able to win the rebound battle by kind of 39 to 20, and that is a big issue that Wisconsin's going to be dealing with moving forward, and for Wisconsin, this is a team that entering into the night, you had players not named Johnny Davis shooting about 30.6% from three-point range down. To their credit, players not named Johnny Davis in this one, they shot 10 of 27 from three-point range. That'll certainly fly. Brad Davison, he was able to give the team 25 points. But this is also not a traditional Wisconsin team either in that they're playing a little bit faster than what we've seen in past seasons. And that is something that you do want to know because when it comes to a lot of these teams, we have noticed that some of these teams have been playing a little bit differently than we've seen in past years. A case in point example, Northern Iowa. They're a team that's going to be on display on Saturday. This is a bunch that, if you remember to those teams that want to make in the NCAA tournament, that team that wanted blowing the 13-point lead with like 49 seconds to go against Texas A&M. For some people, I opened up wounds. For other people, I wound up opening up a big giant box of joys. I personally was wounded by that one, but with that said... When it comes to that team, they were always like in the bottom 50 with regards possessions per game. They have recently kicked things up. And I think that that is something that is so important in college basketball. 
knowing whether or not a team is going to revert to form or the form that they have right now. It is here to say, when it comes to Wisconsin, I do think that it is here to say they've actually been one of the better over teams in all of college basketball. They have played 13 overs, and I believe that they are now clocking in with five unders. So I do think that that is something that is intriguing to take a look at. And also, when it comes to college basketball, there have been quite a few teams that they have just been over machines. You take a look at a team like a Manhattan. I'm sure that not a lot of people knew that coming into the two tonight, they were a top five team to the over in all of college basketball. And wouldn't you know it, they wind up having a 75-68 to 68 game against Siena. Another sub-140 total winds up going over from Manhattan. There are just teams that they wind up playing tight games late. That wound up happening in this one. Manhattan, they go 20 of 24 from the free throw line. They're able to ice it away. And Jose Perez, you want to be taking note of him because he's able to make you quite a bit of money tonight if you wanted writing Manhattan. 32 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. If it sounds familiar, he was a guy from Gardner Webb last year that or a few years ago that led them to the NCAA tournament and was at Marquette last season. Season. Along with what we're all seeing in college basketball as well, got a lot of NFL action. We're going to be hitting upon that in about 15 minutes, but coming up next, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's start talking about this college basketball slate for Saturday right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you're easily able to find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head over to zen.com slash find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is zyn.com slash find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson. We've got a lot of games for this college basketball betting board. Coming up in 15 minutes, by the way, we're going to be hitting on these NFL postseason games. Taylor Mathis does a great job over there with the Superbook. She does a terrific job of being able to look at all that. So we're going to be having some fun there. So we are going to have a little bit of NFL for you. But with that said, we have got a lot that is going to be going down in college basketball. We wound up seeing a lot of requests. If there's a game that you want me to hit on, touch on in a little bit more depth at GUnit underscore at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. Going to try to hit as many of these as humanly possible. So we want to first things first, getting a lot of requests for a couple of earlier games, Auburn versus Kentucky and Florida State versus Miami. We're going to start in Florida and then we're going to go to the game out there in the great state of Alabama. So we're going to start 645, 646. You've got Florida State. They are going to be taking on Miami. Miami finding themselves anywhere between a two and two and a half point favorite. This has come up a little bit from the open and you want, mostly wound up seeing twos. Now you're seeing a lot of two and a half. Tron's game and between 145 and a half and 146 and a half and if you're wondering about the tail of tape between these two teams, you don't have to go very far because this is a game that we wound up seeing mere weeks ago. And in that game, you wound up seeing Miami take a one point loss in that game in a game, which neither team wound up being able to get to 60 points. And I certainly do think that we're going to be able to see a little bit more scoring in this one. I personally wound up setting my total at a 146. Now with this game, you are seeing a couple 146 ads. You wound up seeing a couple 145 ads in the open. This is a total that is coming up. Personally, if I were to choose, I would rather take a 145 and a half over rather than a 146 and a half under. But I do think that this is a game that is going to be able to rise a little bit with the total. So I'm right now in a little bit of wait and see mode. I'm thinking that this is probably going to get to more like 147, 148, where I'm going to be diving in on the under. But when it comes to Miami, just such an efficient team. Fewer than 10 turnovers per game. You've got a guy, Charlie Moore, who while he was at DePaul, he was a little bit of a turnover machine. He has been able to completely reverse that. Now, when it comes to this Miami team, what I really like is the fact that you've got Cam Agussi along with Isaiah Wong firing all cylinders. These two guys are both able to give you 16-plus points per game. They're both relatively solid three-point shooters. And then for Florida State, what has been good about this team has been the fact that they've been able to cut down on the turnovers. You wound up seeing that in the game against Duke. I believe that they wound up having fewer than turn turnovers in that game. This is a Florida State team that, by the way, they wound up beginning the year being a little bit of a turnover machine all in all. It's a bunch of which they have been able to do a much better job of being able to rein it in with that regard. You take a look at Florida State as well. They do have obviously a whole bunch of size and they do a great job with regards to versatility. A bunch of guys that are able to cover multiple positions. So that is going to be a little bit tough for Miami in this game, but I do think that when you take a look at some of these return matchups, because we're going to be seeing a lot of them out here in college basketball on Saturday, you've got a couple in the big 12 ACC, 
So the list goes on and on. You're going to be seeing quite a few of them. And I think that is something that you do want to be taking note of just because when it comes to these return matchups, if you're the team that wound up winning game number one, there's really not a lot to adjust. Now, you do wind up having your team sometimes going through a little bit of transition. Sometimes you wind up having injuries, maybe in game one. There's a player that's now available that wasn't available in game number one, but you don't want to be changing too much. If you're the team that winds up losing, typically you're going to make a little bit more adjustment, which is why I always think that a team that winds up winning in game one, it's a little bit different for them in game two. I mean, I really take a look at it, and I feel that way in just all of sports. It's difficult to be able to win twice in a row against another solid team, whether that be the NFL playoffs that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be diving into, the, into some of those games in a few minutes, whether it be college basketball, baseball, list goes on and on. I do think that winning that second time is very difficult, and I do think that Miami is going to be able to get their revenge. I wound up setting this at a three personally. I don't know if Miami is going to be able to continue to have the offensive efficiency that we've seen throughout the season. But I do like what I'm seeing for this team. I think that they're going to be able to get just enough down low. Sam Wardenberg is a guy with size. Doesn't necessarily give you a ton of rebounding, but Jordan Miller, the transfer from George Mason. If he's not giving you double figures, he's doing a good job down low, being able to give you six, seven rebounds per game. Ultimate glue guy for this Miami team. I think that he is going to be the difference maker. So you're at the two to two and a half that I'm seeing right now. One to lay it with Miami at three. I'd be willing to lay it as well. Pretty much once you get north of three, that's when the buy point is going to be starting to come about when it comes to Florida State. And with this total at 146.5, I would start to dive under. But if you've still got a 145.5, that would be where I'd be looking with regards to the over. But like I said, I do expect this total to rise a little bit more. And then once you wind up getting to like the 147, 147.5 mark, then it really is a little bit more of a solid play on the under. The other game that I want to mention a little bit earlier, how about 631, 632? This is a big one. Kentucky on the road facing off against Auburn. Battle of top 15 foes. Battle for SEC supremacy. Auburn opens up a three and a half point favorite. We've seen it stay Put at a lot of spots. We're seeing behind me at circa a three, but really that's the only three that I'm seeing right now. Toronto's game, anywhere between 148.5 and 149. When it comes to this total, I did wind up setting it at a 148. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under because when it comes to Auburn, we always think about the great card guard play. We always think about them being able to play at a little bit more of a breakneck pace. But when it comes to this Auburn team, what they've been doing this year with regards to their defensive efficiency has been one of the best things that I've really seen all season long. When you think of Auburn, you don't necessarily think of a ton of defense, but Auburn with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, they rank 14th in the country. Kentucky ranks 11th. And I think that it's big that you wind up looking at some of these metrics on a per possession basis, because if you just look on the surface at Auburn, they've given up 75 and a half points per game. You're probably thinking, oh, this is an, a defense that is not necessarily that great. But in reality, Auburn has been able to do a very stout job on defense. Meanwhile, you take a look at Kentucky, and you've got to love the fact that you've been able to get a lot of production out of Ty Ty Washington along with Colin Grady. Both of these guys are shooting north of 40% from three-point range, and that is a big difference maker for this Kentucky team because for Kentucky, year in and year out, they've always had just a whole bunch of size, able to do a relatively solid job down low, but... When it comes to three-point shooting, typically you've got that one guy like a Tyler Hero that's able to shoot it from three, but you really don't have anything else. This year, it's a little bit different for Kentucky. Now, I will say, Savir Wheeler is a guy that wanted missing a little bit of time, and you take a look at him ever since he's come back. He has been committing quite a few turnovers in the last two games, four-plus turnovers in those contests, so that is a little bit of an issue for this Kentucky team. Now, with Auburn, 
you've got Walker Kessler. Among power conference players, his 4.1 blocks per game, most out there in college basketball. He has been nothing short of superb, and for Auburn, they themselves as a collective, they give you right around 8 blocks per game, but you take a look past that. Katie Johnson has been able to do a good job of being able to generate right around 2.5 steals per game. Auburn, as a collective, they give you right around 9-ish steals per contest. They're very good at being able to pickpocket. Kentucky, they do a relatively solid job themselves. I do like the leadership they have out there in the backcourt. Guys like Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady, guys that have been there, done that. That does give Kentucky a little bit of an added dimension. I do think that this is going to be a very good defensive battle in this one, despite the fact that you've got an Auburn team that they really look to push the tempo. They wind up setting the total out of 148 as a result. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but with Auburn on a neutral court, I think that they should be a very, very slight favorite over Kentucky. I do think that in a late-game felling situation, Auburn is going to be able to knock down their free throws. They shoot a little bit above 70% at the free throw line. Neither of these teams are necessarily magnificent at the free throw line, but neither of these teams are also necessarily too bad at the free throw line either. So I take a look at the under. Now with Auburn, willing to lay the three and a half here. Up to four is what I'd be willing to lay with Auburn. Once you wind up getting north of four, then I would start to take a look at Kentucky in this spot with Oscar Sheboy doing all that he does down low, but Walker Kessler, I think, is going to be able to cancel him out. You've got a game that's going to be very early out there in the Big East in 6-11, 6-12 on the betting board that I think is going to be intriguing. Seton Hall hitting the road facing off against St. John's. St. John's finding themselves as a home underdog in this spot. With St. John's, you're going to be catching them anywhere between two and two and a half points down from the open of three. And your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 156 and 156 and a half down to two here at DraftKings as well. And with St. John's, I don't think that you're going to need the points with this team. I like them on the money line. I recognize that St. John's has had their... And she's with regards to taking care of the ball, 15 turnovers per game. But what you get out of Pasha Alexander, coupled with Julian Chapenny, they combine for about four and a half steals per game, one of the best duos in all of college basketball with that regard. And then you've got Champenny, who I think is forming himself as a top 15 player in all of college basketball. How about what he's been able to do with 21 points, seven and a half rebounds, firing it in at 40% from three-point range. And for Seton Hall, this is a team that they only shoot to right around 31.5% from distance. Now, Ike Obiagu, he's one of the rare guys in which He's averaging more blocks per game than points per game. He's been able to give you right around three and a half blocks and 3.1 points per game, which I think is very intriguing. Jared Roden has been able to do a good job down low, but when it comes to this game, I'll go into a little bit more depth in a few minutes, but I'm going to be taking a look at St. John's on the money line. I do think that with this being a 9 a.m. Pacific noon Eastern time tip, it is going to be a little bit slower as well, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot as well, so just initial thoughts there. Going to be going back over this in a little bit, but we've got to hit on a little bit of football as well. Taylor Mathis does a great job over there at the Superbook. She's going to be joining me next. We're going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting out of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs next. Right here on the Great Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Check out replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and from there, you're able to get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, and you've got a 137-game preview edition of Coast to Coast Soups coming up in 90 minutes and many more. They're all free and available now. VEASAN.com slash podcast as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on the Sports Bank Network, VEASAN, and it's great to be joined by our guest. Does a great job over there with the Superbook. She is a host over there, someone that is living out here in Arizona, but 
Much like myself, she came to the West Coast after beginning her life out there in the Midwest. It is Taylor Mathis. You're able to follow her on Twitter at tmath11792. And Taylor, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Greg. I'm super excited. I am as well, and it's going to be a great week of NFL action. And when it comes to what we're going to be seeing on Saturday, I think that both of these games are relatively intriguing. And when it comes to this Bengals versus Titans game, I think that this is one with the biggest question marks just because you've got Derrick Henry coming back for the Titans, and let's call it what it is. He just hasn't played in quite a while, and you can have mixed results with that. How do you wind up taking a look at this one with the line currently sitting at three and a half pretty much across the board? I'm taking the Bengals against the spread. I also like sprinkling a little bit on the money line for the Bengals as well. I really think Derrick Henry is a question mark. Is he going to come back 100%? We really don't know whether or not he will. The Titans like to run the ball a lot. They ran the ball more than any other team in the entire NFL this year. So, of course, they're going to put him to work like the workhorse that he's been for them. But I just like the Bengals right now. Joe Burrow has been extremely hot in the regular season right before heading to the playoffs. He threw for 525 yards against Baltimore, then 446 yards against Kansas City. Then he won the first playoff game in 31 years for Cincinnati in a very, very long time. So I just like him in the Bengals right now and what they're doing. I agree with you. I'm taking a look at the Bengals being able to win this game outright myself. I just have never been too much of a believer in the Tennessee Titans. They're not necessarily a great defensive team. Obviously, Derrick Henry being back in the fold is great, but I don't know if he's going to be fully 100% himself with having not played in so many weeks as well. So I've got some big question marks there. I know that I've got a lot of question marks with the team that is going to be going down in more of the late game as well with the 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. I've just never fully bought in on the San Francisco 49ers. Right now, we're finding them as a five and a half point underdog to the Green Bay Packers. I'm not sure how much you make out of home field advantage in this game, but I think that it's going to be big for the Green Bay Packers. I'm not just saying this because I am a native of the great state of Wisconsin, but I'm looking at the <laughs> Packers in this spot. How do you wind up looking at this game? Because I do think that this is going to be a very intriguing one with the 49ers team that has been rock solid on defense, but not sold on this offense. I like, if I'm betting the spread, I think I'm going to take San Francisco here. I feel like the San Francisco 49ers can keep it close. You look at these two teams and they played each other in week three. The San Francisco 49ers only lost by two to the Packers in week three. They didn't have Elijah Mitchell then, and they were not utilizing Debo Samuel like they have been now. A prop that I actually like for this game is Debo Samuel anytime touchdown is what I'm going to go with uh, there this week. But I, I do like the 49ers. I just don't know if there's going to be enough for them to actually get the win over the Packers. But with that being said, Aaron Rodgers is clearly haunted by this team. He's never won a postseason game against the 49ers ever. So that is saying something. So hopefully I'm sure he's thinking he doesn't want any deja vu with this one. I do think that that is something very intriguing to look at because even when the San Francisco 49ers wound up having like Colin Kaepernick and company, he did wind up having that team be a little bit of a bugaboo for him. We do remember from two seasons ago as well. And how much do you play into some of these road spots for these teams? Because as we know, it's going to be very frigid out there in the great state of Wisconsin on Saturday. Right. And 
when you take a look at it, obviously that leads to a little bit more rushing. But as we know, the 49ers, with having Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, they're more than comfortable running the ball. And obviously, Devo Samuel, who you mentioned, he has been utilized in a wide variety of ways, not just catching the ball. Exactly. I totally agree with you. I don't really know how much I see home field advantage for the Packers being a big thing. I mean, they are 8-0 at home, so what am I saying there? But the 49ers, I don't know if the Colts really going to make that big of a difference. Like you said, they're going to be running the ball a lot. Elijah Mitchell last weekend had 97 yards against the Cowboys. I think they're going to try to go along with that same game script here against the Packers as well and really utilize Debo Samuel. It, too. He is a catcher, but he can run the ball just as well. So I think they run it. And they've also got George Kittle as a weapon that we can't forget about. He's been a little quiet lately, but I think the 49ers will try to get him into more action this weekend. I do agree with you there. I do think that they're going to try to utilize George Kittle a little bit more. He's a guy that has been, when he's fully healthy, fully firing all cylinders, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Been a little bit strange, his usage the last few weeks. And we're talking a lot about running the ball. We're talking a lot about it being frigid. Does that lead to you being on any way with the total? Because I do take a look at NFL postseason football in general, and I typically do lean a little bit more towards the under. And I personally am looking at an under of 47 and a half in this game. I would agree with you. I think the under is what you want to look at here. Like we already talked about, the weather could be a factor. Running the ball more is going to lead to a slower pace of play throughout the game as well. So possible less scoring opportunities. And sometimes I like to think these quarterbacks occasionally play a little bit more conservatively in the postseason to avoid interceptions, especially in games that are going to be extremely close. Yep. I agree with you there. Speaking of interceptions, a guy that has thrown a lot of them. How about Matthew Stafford? He has thrown pretty much eight in the last four weeks. He wound up being able to turn in a clean sheet against the Arizona Cardinals. As we know, the LA Rams, they were able to get the job done in convincing fashion. Now they have to go on the road. They need to play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in what is going to be the first game for Sunday. Right now, in a lot of spots, you're finding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a three-point favorite with pretty much even juice. You're able to find two and a half with juice out there as well. I think that this is the most intriguing game of the postseason because you got Tom Brady who, I mean, let's call it what it is. The guy has won so many championships. It's not even funny. And then you've got an LA Rams team that they looked really good last week, but coming into the postseason, not necessarily in great form. Where do you stand on this one? Because I feel like you're able to make really good slash bad arguments for both sides on this one. Definitely, but I've got one big rule in betting, and for me, it is you never bet against Tom Brady, and especially right now in the postseason. I'm taking the Bucks straight up on this one. The Rams had a very convincing win on Monday over the Cardinals, but the way I look at that is that's a team that they knew very well. They played them twice already in the regular season. They split that match one and one, and I just think that the Rams haven't had enough con- Uh, convincing statement wins, in my opinion. They've lost to the 49ers, a team that's still in it. They lost to the Titans, another team that's still in it. Yes, they beat the Bucs in week three, which I think it's interesting that we have two NFC matchups that also played each other in week three earlier this season. But I, I don't like it. I can't go against Brady. Stafford, historically, has clearly not been that good. That was his first postseason win in 11 seasons in the NFL. When you're under pressure and you've got to make plays, I just, I can't bet against Brady. I can't disagree with you there. And when it comes to 
the Matthew Stafford interception prop, I would say shop around for the least amount of juice as possible on a yes over a half, however they want to phrase it on that one, because I think that this guy is going to be throwing a pick right now at DraftKings. I'm seeing minus 150. I certainly think that that's going to come through. I would like to see if I'm able to get a little bit less juice on that, but as of right now, that's where I would certainly be leaning on that game as well. And then when it comes to the game that's going to be capping off this divisional weekend of the NFL, the Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs, Tightest line that we're seeing right now, anywhere between one and a half and two is what Kansas City is laying. It's a rematch of what we wound up seeing earlier in the season. What are you thinking on this one? Because I think that this one is going to be the toughest to call. And as a result, you got the tightest spread. I agree. I think this game, realistically for myself personally, I'm not going to touch it. It's too close. I think this is, it's essentially just a pick game. You can argue for both sides on this. Mahomes has been in the postseason for three seasons now in a row. He's won 10 out of 11 of those games in the postseason. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like, you don't want to bet against him in a way either with the way he's looked over the past couple of years. But the Bills looked unreal last weekend. I mean, they made the Patriots look like they were absolutely nothing. They do have the top-ranked defense in the NFL as well. So when it comes to me, actually, for betting this game, I'm sticking with one prop. And I really like Dawson Knox for under four-and-a-half receptions. He's only gone over this number in one out of his last five games. And that last game against the Patriots was actually the game that he went over. And I only think the reason that that might have happened is because that game kind of led to being a blowout, so he had more reception opportunities. I don't necessarily know if I see Josh Allen throwing him the ball as much this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. And it's going to be interesting to see if Gabriel Davis is able to get in the fold as well, because he's just below that, more around 37 and a half-ish, depending on where you look. And Taylor, you're doing great work over there at the Superbook. was great to have you on tonight right here on VEASAN. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Have no fear. We're going to have more NFL in the final hour. Taylor did a terrific job of being able to break down these games. I'll give you my picks for Saturday in the final hour. But coming up next, lots of college basketball coming up right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VEASAN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the postseason and then into championship weekend. We'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to the 6th annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join VEASAN, the sports betting experts before, during, and after the game right here on VEASAN.com as it is a great Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Big thanks once again to Taylor Mathis doing a great job over there at the Superbus over there at the Superbook as a content host, creator. She does a terrific job over there. Join me in the last segment. We took a look at the NFL games in the final hour. A little bit over an hour from now, I'll be giving you guys my picks on what I've all got with regards to the NFL divisional games that are going to be going down on Saturday. And then tomorrow on the same program, same bad time, same bad channel, I'll be giving you guys what I've got for Sunday as well. So have no fear. We're going to have NFL covered here, but We've got 137 college basketball games. I know that a lot of you guys have fired in a lot of games that you want me to touch on at GNRSCORE1 on Twitter. If there's a game that you want me to break down, we'll do my best to try to get to as many of these as humanly possible. But about if we go to the top of the card, 603-604, Big Ten matchup, Rutgers versus Minnesota. Minnesota finding themselves a very slight favorite, one to one and a half points. Drawn's game, relatively stagnant right now, 129 and a half. And when it comes to this game, I wound up setting my total at 130. I do think that this is going to be close enough to where you do wind up getting late game falling. I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot. Rutgers has been able to do a little bit more on offense. Ron Harper Jr. has been terrific for this team, 16 and a half points. He's able to give you seven boards, a mid 33 point shooter. Paul McKaylee has been able to give you right around four and a half assists per game as well. But then you take a look at Minnesota. I do think that they're going to be able to win this game at the free throw line because you've got the duo of EJ Stevens along with Peyton Willis. They've been able to do a good job of being able to both give you double figures. Both of these guys shoot above 40% from three-point range. So I think that that's going to be big. And I like what I've seen out of Jameson Battle as well. 18 and a half points. Right around seven rebounds per game. A good three-point shooter. Now, the big thing for Minnesota is that this team is going to be going one and done a lot with regards to offensive rebound rate. This team, out of 358 teams, they clock in at 358th. This is a Rutgers team that they should be able to control the glass a little bit more. Cliff Amarui has been able to give you eight rebounds per game. But when it comes to this Rutgers team as well, a big bugaboo for this team is that they do rank right around 120th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. So that is a little bit of an issue. They don't necessarily force a lot of steals as well. So a Minnesota team that they are relatively methodical but efficient with regards to their offense, they should be able to be able to operate like normal. They aren't going to be pushed out of their just bread and butter, which I think is going to be very big for them. And Minnesota is just at the barn in general, a little bit of a different team. And Rutgers, when they are away from the rack, this is a team that typically you want no part of. Typically, when it comes to home court advantage, you wind up setting it at a flat three points. I personally disagree with that mantra. I think that there are some games especially out there in like a mid-major game in California where there's no fans, you don't wind up awarding a full three points with regards to home court advantage. Meanwhile, something like this where you've got a Rutgers team that 
They just year in and year out do not perform at the rack. And a Minnesota team that at the barn, they're typically terrific on the road. They typically stink. You do wind up awarding a little bit more. I want to make in this home court advantage worth more like four to four and a half points personally. So I did wind up settling in on Minnesota being a four and a half point favorite in this spot. So I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done here against Rutgers and be able to cover the summer. And with my total, set it at a 130. So at 129 and a half, pretty much the highest I'd be willing to take an over on, but willing to take an over in this spot as well. When it comes to the college basketball board, we've got some big games. We've got some small games. We've got some mid-sized games as well. What I love is that I wind up getting in just questions on a wide variety of games, but we've gotten a little bit of something with regards to Texas State and Arkansas State. We are looking for that on the betting board right now. I can tell you right now that you're finding Arkansas State find themselves as a very slight home underdog in this spot. So this one, I think, is one that is one that I disagree with a little bit because with Texas State, it certainly has been a team that has been relatively solid all year long. But with Texas State, they have been dealing with a lot of COVID-19 concerns recently. They have been able to get back a lot of their players as we found it on the Las Vegas betting board. 673, 674 can be sometimes very daunting when you take a look at a 137-game betting board to be able to find these all. Tommy Lorenzen, by the way, wound up setting that in. Tommy is a good guy, so always have to try to help him out. But with that said, right now, finding Texas State anywhere between a one and a half to a two point favorite on the road with your total anywhere between 137 and a half and 138. And for one, the total just feels off on this game just because Arkansas State, they're not a slow team. They're not a fast team. With regards to possessions per game, they're relatively average. And this is a Texas State team that they just love to bleed the clock. This is a team that you're in and you're out. They're always going to be towards the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game in all of college basketball. And when it comes to this Arkansas State team, I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done down low. Norshad Omir, a guy that's averaging a double-double. He's been able to give you right around 15 points, a little bit over 10 rebounds per game now. Desi Sills has not necessarily been able to do a great job from three-point range, but he was actually a starter for the Arkansas Razorbacks towards the beginning of the 2020-21 season, a good on-ball defender. And then you've also got guys like a Caleb Fields that's able to pump it in there from three-point range along with Marquise Eaton. Both of these guys, they combine for about 18 points per game. They're good from three-point range. Now, Mason Harrell on the flip side for Texas State, he's been able to do a good job. He's been able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range. You do like the fact that Isaiah Small has been able to give the same seven rebounds per game. Depth is something that is eluding the Texas State team a little bit. Nigel Caesar has been able to do a relatively solid job. they able to give you eight points, five and a half rebounds per game. So, you do like what he's able to bring to the table for this team, but when it comes down to it, I do think that this is an Arkansas State team that they should be able to win the game outright. Once again, this is a, an example where I would go with a flat three with regards to home court advantage. I think that this one is relatively standard, but I do think that with having Ormir being able to do a good job down low and the Texas State team be legitimately a relatively solid three-point shooting team, but also be a team that they can get a little bit shall we say, loose with the ball. They do wind up sometimes turning it over a little bit more than what you'd like to see. I do think that there are a couple issues with regards to that. Arkansas State, not necessarily a great team with regards to being able to force turnovers, but they certainly aren't a bad team as well. So they're sort of neither here nor there. And I do think that they should be able to get the job done in this spot. I wound up saying Arkansas State as a little bit of a favorite on their home court, right around two and a half. So I'm willing to take them as a money line underdog in this spot. And with the total Said it at 130 and a half. I wound up going through Texas State, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. So I take a look at the under and I take a look at the money line. I know that one of you guys wanted to hear about Iowa. So how about that? We wind up going 727, 728, and we have seen a little bit of a line move on this game. Iowa opened up a nine and a half point favorite. You're now seeing them between a 10 and 10 and a half, depending on where you shop and your total, and between 142 and a half and 143. And when it comes to Iowa, 
I'll go out here on a limb and I'll say they're going to score more than 50 points, which is something that they did not wind up doing against Rutgers a couple days ago. That was very, very strange to say the least. And I do think that when it comes to Iowa, they are going to be able to restore order. And I do think that they're going to be able to get a convincing win in this game. I wound up setting Iowa actually as more around a 13 and a half point favorite. I do think that this is an Iowa team that should be able to win this game convincingly against a Penn State team that I've actually liked what I've seen out of them recently. You've got a guy in Jalen Pickett who's been able to give you right around 14 points, four and a half boards, four and a half assists per game. And with Pickett, he's been able to give you double figures and pretty much each out of the team's last eight games. So he's been rock solid there. And when it comes to this Penn State team, you've been able to have some good production out of a guy like a John or Ardell is able to give you 10 rebounds per game. Keegan Murray, though. This guy is a top 10 player in all of college basketball. 23 and a half points. He's able to give you just under 10 rebounds per game, two blocks, and right around a seal and a half per game. He has been absolutely tremendous. Now, Iowa shoots about 34% from three. It's not like this team is able to go scorch earth on you from distance, but they play at that consistent tempo. And what is big for this Iowa team is that they are one of the top teams in all of college basketball and not during the ball over Penn State. One of the things that they don't do well is be able to force turnovers. So Iowa is going to be able to get their style in this game. Penn State, they've been really looking to slow things down. This is a Penn State team that, with regards to possessions per game, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, they're clocking in in the bottom 30 in all of college basketball. But I do think that this is going to be a spot in which Iowa, they're going to be able to still be able to excel in a little bit of a slower game because you just notice it with Iowa. It doesn't matter if you want to play fast. It doesn't matter if you want to play slow. They are going to be able to find their wide open shots. You've got a senior point guard in Jordan Bohannon who's been in college for seemingly like 35 years now. He's been able to do a solid job. Joe Toussaint has an assist to turnover ratio that hovers right around two and a half. So all these guys know their role. They do a good job of being able to play as a collective. And for Penn State, not necessarily a lot of depth with this team. The good news is they have been able to get a couple of reinforcements on this team. Greg Lee, the transfer from Western Michigan, who wound up missing the first center serve games of the season. He's been able to give you right around six rebounds per game. But with that said, with Penn State, I do think that they're going to be up against it a little bit more. So it is a spot in which I am willing to lay it with Iowa. I do think that Iowa going to get back to their ways of being able to score just a whole gob ton of points. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over in the spot as well. We'll end up having this one fired in and we're going to be starting this one and we're going to be wrapping it up in the back half of the segment as well. So we're going to be hitting upon this in the top of the 11 o'clock hours. We've got a return trip in Missouri versus Alabama. This is 751-752. Alabama is finding themselves a 17-point favorite. Total on this game is between 150 and 150 and a half. As we know, Alabama, they wound up taking that big, ugly loss when they wound up going to Columbia. I certainly don't think that that is going to be happening here. Do they cover, though? We're going to be hitting upon that in the next hour. My New York Post play for Saturday is also out there in the SEC. So starting off the 11 o'clock hour with a lot of SEC talk for college basketball up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.